and welcome back to iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. In the PropTech hot seat today is a returning founder. It's Peter Murphy, founder of Ziggy Tech. Peter, you're very welcome back. It's a couple of years since you were in the PropTech hot seat previously. How have things been over the past, say, two to three years? Well, thanks, uh, Carol. Um, they've been okay. Bumpy ride, like for a lot of businesses. Um, our business was impacted by the pandemic. Um, you know, we, we had an awful lot of work ongoing throughout Europe coming up to the pandemic and obviously that took a blow because we couldn't we couldn't get into buildings we couldn't get dispatched um but there was upside to it we when we went to market initially in 2018 our core products were around utilities measuring gas electricity water heat for buildings um and prior to the pandemic, we expanded out into measuring indoor air quality because we thought it would be important. And, you know, that, that's come to pass. Obviously, the pandemic has really shone the light on the importance of indoor air quality. And we got a big uptake in, in our demand for that service. So much so that probably half our business now is doing indoor air quality and the other half is doing utilities. And um, and we've gone from strength to strength. We've launched new products this summer, which I can I'll talk a bit more about later. But yeah, it's been there's pluses and minuses the pandemic brought. Uh, the usual roller coaster you have with a startup. Yeah, no, look, you're absolutely right. And of course, um, the environment has changed so much in 2018, uh, right across uh, right across the range of technologies feeding into the built environment. But let's return there for a moment um, about uh, air quality. Uh, we recently had Anthony Slumbers, UK um, PropTech speaker, on the show, and he was really very blunt when he said that actually COVID taught us that uh, that buildings can harm us. Um, so that's the one thing we learned about COVID, that buildings badly designed, badly ventilated, um, uh, they, they can harm us. And that's something that, while we have known for centuries, maybe it wasn't really taken on board as a serious threat and COVID changed that. So in terms of indoor air quality, when you started out in 2018, that wasn't on your radar. How did you get from utilities and, and measurement into indoor air quality? Um, well, the, the common thread there is IoT, Internet of Things technology. And we use the same underlying technology to measure a whole range of different parameters within the building. So. Actually, it turned out to be a, a reasonably easy step to, well, we're measuring utility usage. Can you measure the indoor air quality usage for us as well? Because it all is feeding into the same program. So if you're a, a customer of ours, say, that has Gresby reporting, they need to feed utility data in, they need to in, indoor air quality data, et cetera, et cetera. It's all about the data. It's all about getting a, a stream of consistent accurate data out of buildings into the cloud so they can be used and interrogated. And um, I'm conscious that we have been talking about IoT for years now at this stage, but we forget that there are people just joining the conversation now. So you might just break that down into simple terms, what IoT is and how it relates to the built environment. I will, yeah. So I, I'll read a definition to get us started with, you know. So, so Internet of Things is the interconnection via the internet of electronic devices embedded in everyday objects, enable them to send and receive data. Okay, that's the boring definition. So in common, 
common day stuff. We we all know the interconnect internet connected fridge, the internet connected washing machine, your Apple watches and all of that. They're all examples of IoT devices. Um, I, I don't know how useful an internet connected fridge is, but it's an example of it. But bring it back to the built environment. Um, and we're down to we're we're down to getting devices that are internet connected. And that's the really important thing. Um, having devices locally connected within the building is of limited use unless it's in the internet because all our customers manage portfolios and they want to see their complete estate. They just, they don't want to be ringing up local people. Stuff captured in Excel spreadsheets is no good. So great examples then are in the built environment is your live electricity usage, your live gas usage, your live indoor air quality in every room in the building and it's all internet connected. Okay, let, let's actually break down some of those metrics because the, we, we seem to have moved very quickly from being almost afraid of data to collecting it, but not really knowing what to do with it. And there's a huge difference between data and the, the insights that are actually useful in terms of managing and valuing real estate portfolios. So, what, so we know that almost everything can be measured doesn't mean almost everything needs to be measured or, or impacts the value of a real estate portfolio. So in terms of the clients you're working with, what are the important metrics? You mentioned uh, Gresby there, so you might just explain to our listeners what that is, and then maybe we could talk about some of the important metrics. So Gresby um, assesses a building against various ESG standards and benchmarks those buildings and gives us a rating. And obviously a higher rating will have a higher valuation and people will want to reach higher and higher up in the score. But if you just talk about what our customers have, um, a landlord, if, if it's a fully let building or a multi-let building, what the tenants in those buildings, what energy they consume, like electricity, gas, water, is extremely relevant to the landlord, even though the landlord doesn't have to pay for it, but it's a benchmark for how good or otherwise that building is. Uh, at using energy. And that's crucially important, crucially important to the valuation of the building. Um, just before we move on from this, uh, because it's something we've touched on on the show previously, and actually it's, I would say it's one of the most, uh, most commonly asked questions into PropTech Ireland, and that is around um, common reporting standards. So Gresby is one of literally hundreds of global right. standards. Um, for ESG reporting. Now, in Ireland, we don't yet know which is the best. We know that Gresby, Gresby is becoming the most common standard. Um, yes. What we're seeing anecdotally, uh, we only have anecdotal evidence. So the clients you're working with, what's the most commonly used standard or standards that they're working towards? Well, Gresby would, I think, would be the, the leading standard out there. Um, there'd be well-building performance, there'll be the lead uh, uh, operational performance, um, but I'd, I would see Gresby most often being used. Um, I will say that um, I think EU taxonomy is going to bring a huge burden on the industry and is going to be a level playing field because we're talking about regulation. EU taxonomy is regulation uh, as opposed to voluntary codes like Gresby. And that's going to place a huge burden on people on how their estates are seen. 
Um, how imminent do you think that is? Because obviously this is something that's been talked about for quite a long time, but across the built environment, it feels like we're constantly talking about buildings in the top 10%. There's 90% of buildings that aren't there. Um, yeah. So how imminent do you think uh, this is in terms of shared regulations for, for building performance standards? I, I think it's it, 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 it's or incrementally coming in each year. And um, yeah, I know sometimes they slip their timelines, but 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 it's widening out. The, the net is widening out next year from 2023 to 50,000 um, companies. Um, that'll have to do mandatory reporting, but the voluntary reporting will be quite onerous on people. So companies involved in, um, in tendering, uh, companies involved in any public service work will have to do voluntary reporting under EU taxonomy or they won't get the public service business. Do you think that, the, that okay, we're, we're at the point of voluntary reporting at the moment, as we move mm. mandatory, do you think it's likely to be as onerous or more onerous than those currently um, voluntarily signing up to say Gresby or, or similar standards? I'd say it'll be similarly onerous. Um, I think it'll be similarly onerous. Like anyone that has done something like Gresby will be well equipped um, because they'd be used to the processes. They will have gathered a lot of the data, but um, there, there's still quite an amount more to do. Uh, and there'll be a lot of consultants out there um, making hay on helping people to, to comply. Peter, who are who are Zigitech customers? So we we have a we two broad sets of customers. Uh, our original customers were uh, building owners, okay, the people that own the buildings and um, the people that needed and still need to get data out of the buildings so that they can benchmark those buildings. Okay. So we work for some of the largest real estate companies in the world, as well as in Ireland. We work for an awful lot of them in Ireland. Um, when we, during the pandemic, when we pivoted slightly and moved from just doing utilities into increasingly doing indoor air quality, we got involved in tenants uh, because tenants, interestingly, are obviously a lot more concerned about their indoor air quality than perhaps the owners of the buildings would be, and um, particularly in multi-lets. So that proved to be very, very, um, very, very popular, doing indoor air quality within offices. And, and it's using Internet of, thing, Internet of Things technology, which is based around using ultra-low power devices that have long battery lives, which allows us, it's a, so if a customer comes to us and says, well, we need to, equip our office with um, indoor air quality, we can, within 48 hours, turn around that service. And that's the power of IoT. Um, IoT is something across a building that was quite discreet. So as in that data was being collected, people didn't know about it. And one of the things that really changed during COVID, and I thought it's a very simple, it's a simple way to illustrate a point, but it's a very powerful one where, um, you know, across commercial buildings and office buildings, the cleaning and maintenance staff would have been quite discreet as to when cleaning and maintenance was being carried out. So the idea was that there wouldn't be a visible presence in the building, whereas COVID changed that. So even yeah. the same level of cleaning and maintenance was being carried out. 
people suddenly were hanging signs and wearing high-vis vests because we know that it wasn't just about the safety and cleanliness of a building. It was about the perception of safety and cleanliness in a building. And similarly, now that the conversation has shifted towards indoor air quality in the workplace, um, now we don't particularly want a discreet solution. We want a solution that we can shout about to our teams and to visitors coming into the workplace. So how has that borne out in the service that you're offering? Um, we want, we definitely want a solution that we can shout about once we're happy that the answer is right. Um, and, and that is important. And I suppose that, that it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes um, there is a tiny bit of nervousness about measuring indoor air quality, just in case the answers aren't as good as one would hope. Um, now, more often than not, particularly in higher end buildings, the, the answers are very good, very good. That said, a lot, a lot of, we're, we're seeing very low occupancy still, you know, a lot of the buildings still have very low occupancy. So naturally the air quality might be a little bit better than it would otherwise be with, with such low occupancy in there. But like the pandemic did show us that um, like you can't, you can't catch COVID or the cold from touching surfaces, okay? It's, it's purely airborne transmission and the quality and the cleanliness of the air in your building is absolutely crucial to reducing uh, the transmission of not just COVID, flus, colds, the whole lot. Um, um, okay, you're, you're saying uh, purely airborne, but I, I thought the science had landed on it being primarily airborne. Uh, as opposed to purely airborne um, in terms of COVID infection. But look, that's that's kind of a, a point for people to maybe satisfy themselves with in terms of the most up-to-date health advice. But just back to the point of occupancy, uh, I presume that's one of the metrics that you're looking at when you're measuring within buildings. Are you looking at use uh, as in uh, space usage, not just energy usage? Are you looking at occupancy levels within the building? <laughs> We are, so um, it, it's, we're launching that product. We're doing a prototype with a customer at the moment, okay, where we're doing occupancy measurement. I think that's just going to be very, very big. And there, there's various parameters that one measures, but to really understand how and when your building has been used with hard data rather than anecdotal data will be very, very powerful. I suppose, Carl, I have a theory here, my own theory in, in around, people in professional services in a hybrid working environment um, are probably going to focus on reducing some of their office space. And certainly they're focused on repurposing them to less individual spaces and more collaborative spaces. But um, their office space is a huge part of their CO2 footprint. And um, if they can reduce office occupancy by 10, 20%, it it'll have a measurable impact on their drive to get their energy usage down by 50% by 2030. Um, and you need to do that with data. You need to understand how your building has been used and when it's been used. Okay, can I just clarify there? Do you mean actually to get the occupancy down or do you mean to actually get the footprint of their, as in, sorry, the, the square footage uh, to reduce that? Well, yeah, if you're leasing uh, leasing space, um, the carbon footprint associated with that lease is quite significant. And if you can, through better optimization, um, reduce that by 10, 20%, that'll go straight to the bottom line on your carbon footprint. 
And I think it'll be a very, very meaningful way to reduce a company's carbon footprint. Um, it, it feels like, you know, every couple of weeks, there's a new report uh, in terms of office, not just in Ireland, but certainly globally. And, you know, the latest one is that staff uh, are reluctant to return to offices. And I'm not sure that's safety related. I think people have discovered a new way of living and they don't necessarily want to want to return to the way things are. And I say that um, as I'm recording from Connemara for Dublin South FM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's a very valid concern. How how long it will be, how long it will be there for it remains to be seen, but I think it's a valid one. But actually, um, one of the other trends we're seeing is a move away from co-working spaces. And yet, I know you were talking about fewer individual spaces and more shared spaces. So how does that fit in? Are, I mean, is there a new type of office that is yeah, has yet to be configured that is not individual offices that has assigned ownership or usage, um, but maybe collaborative spaces that aren't the co-working spaces that we've become used to over the past decade? I mean, is there are you seeing any innovations across your client about a new type of office that actually will tempt people from their homes where wherever they've chosen to make them over the last number of uh the past two or three years or two and a half years absolutely the, the, there has been a huge shift in renovating during the pandemic and renovating the workspace different types of workspaces and certainly to make them more attractive and you know that that's where we we've come into there we've sold in indoor air quality solution as part of the overall package to make the workplace more attractive. I totally agree with you on um, people's, they, as one customer said to me, you know, there's some of their staff will be in there seven days a week if they could, and some of their other staff they haven't seen since March 2020, you know, and it, there's that diverse. And there's an awful lot of people that can't work from home because they, they mightn't have the domestic setup to work from home and will want to go in. But there's definitely a, a large cohort that have to be persuaded back into the office and don't you know, want and, to. And, and in terms of productivity levels, I think that there's been a lot of mixed messaging around that. So actually, uh, you know, we went from a period of hyper productivity in the early stages, which really seemed to prove the remote working model. And then that mm. actually dipped. Um, and I suppose I can only speak from our own experience of a small team that actually, while we've two office bases in Dublin and Galway, we actually have a remote team that are based yeah, on yeah. Ireland, but outside of Ireland. And last week we brought a number of our team members together in Galway. And quite frankly, big strategic decisions got made that had been put on hold for a year. Uh, decisions that would normally take two or three weeks to make got made instantly. Um, so things happened and the general consensus across the team was actually we need to get together in person more often because that's right yeah, yeah yeah and and frankly i would have been one of the doubters i would have believed that we could do everything remotely but the reality is when you put humans together in a space magic things happen that can't be facilitated on through technology. that's correct that's correct that's correct and that would be my experience and that's the experience of the team we have here now we do a lot of remote work, but we do get together frequently and it does, it really helps us, you know. So uh, what is next for the Ziggy Tech team? 
The next for the Ziggy Tech team, we recently launched the Legionnaires. Our, our business is about getting data out of the buildings into the cloud, and it's just widening the, our products, uh, our product set. So we started off with gas, electricity, heat, and we moved on to indoor air quality. We recently launched Legionellas, where, where we're monitoring pipe temperatures. So you, you might be familiar with that. It's, it's a very... Uh, a man in a van driving around measuring pipe temperatures every month. It, it, that doesn't need to be done anymore in 2022. So we, we're doing that automatically using IoT technology. Um, I'm very optimistic about occupancy um, and getting that data and using that data to drive better decisions on building design and drive better decisions when it comes to leasing and renewing leases you know now if you're coming up to renew your lease in three years time it's now you need to understand the data about what's happening in your building so you can make informed decisions about that lease renewal um, and an occupancy data gives you that it really does um, I, I, I like a simple explanation that, that I can understand so I like when you talk about the core purpose being about getting data out of the building and into the cloud but when it's in the cloud still has to be then uh, I suppose put to use to to actually be able to take action on you know so we talk about these actionable insights and I think that now uh, please correct me if I'm wrong here but I, I can see a huge improvement on uh, buildings gathering data I'm mm. not sure I'm seeing a translate into uh, really informing the decision making and by the way this isn't just across building we can see it across the housing for all dashboard we can see you know the government in terms of housing um, and, and property in general gathering a lot more data and not yeah. not trusting the data there's still they're, they're having some consideration for it and then going and making decisions that actually don't rely on the data and i don't know but i'm also seeing that across real estate and is there a trust that needs to be built up that actually the data is telling us something valuable that we need to know i well okay i'm i am an engineer and speaking as an engineer the problem with engineers is they get all this data and they just they go on a power trip with making graphs and data and data and you just confuse people okay and that's the problem just because you've loads of data doesn't mean you have to bamboozle the customer so like our best example would be we, we produce indoor air quality reports monthly reports and it's by exception reports we say well actually your building looks fine but we keep identifying this problem on a monday afternoon at 2 p.m in this meeting room it's all gone crazy it, you know what, what's gone wrong here and you know, the, from that client, the client came back and said, well, that's when we do our 9 a.m. call with New York and we get everybody into the meeting room together and we do a half an hour. It's 2 p.m. in Ireland, it's 9 a.m. in New York. And I said, well, that's your problem. You know, that meeting room isn't designed for the 30 people, you know, you're all piled in. You need to do something different because the indoor air quality. So that's kind of using the data smartly. Um, and then the rest of the time, you're just monitoring data by exception saying, you know, the rest of the building is operating okay at the moment. OK, um, another client came to us and they couldn't understand. They had huge problems in one corner of the building and they found out that the damper actuator had broken and they got the landlord to fix it. But it, 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 it's all it's all piping the data in so that you're managing by exception, you know, picking up water leaks, picking up power surges. That's what one does. But I presume these insights are only as good as the action then that 
uh, whether it's portfolio owners or the tenants themselves are going to take after it. Yeah, well, now I, my experience is that when people see the data presented simply and coherently, uh, that action follows rapidly. Okay. Um, Absolutely. Peter, before we finish up, uh, I am conscious that you're a company that is, has moved beyond the startup phase uh, established in uh, 2018, but there has been a significant uh, fundraising that has happened. And I'm conscious that I always like to give a bit of hope to our prop tech and construction technology startups that are listening in, because you must remember it's a really difficult slog to to get the you know to to get to a certain point of traction in terms of beyond market fit into actually starting to get market traction where you're you become a trusted supplier in the market. So talk to us just very briefly about your latest fundraise and your plans for the business. So yeah, I suppose we slogged it out through the pandemic, and as I mentioned earlier, that wasn't easy. We weren't going booming during the pandemic. It was a really difficult time. Um, but we got in as being a trusted supplier. Um, like the great thing about our business is we have 98% retention. Okay. Um, so in a, it, within a software business, that's amazing. Uh, we're kind of sem- we're IoT slash software, but you know, once people buy from us, they stay with us, which is brilliant. Um, we went and raised funds um, last year. So about this time, September last year, we went raised and it took three to four months. Very, very difficult task, but we got a suite of investors, about 12 investors, new investors came on board from some fairly close to the industry, not not, not property people, but people involved in IoT technology, people um, that have been involved in buildings and selling into buildings. Um, So we got about 12 really strategic investors came on board and we raised just short of 2.5 million. In, in in equity, which was fabulous, absolutely fabulous, and and they backed us because they believed in what we were doing. They they had a strong belief in indoor air quality that this this, this is going to happen. Okay, um, we spend ninety percent of our time indoors, and most of the energy buildings consume go into cleaning, filtering and pumping and heating and cooling air in the building um, and knowing what's the output of that, what's the product of that, they're saying, well, that, that, that is going to happen. People are going to, to tune into it. And I think this will be the winter, it will happen, to be honest. It hasn't, uh, during the pandemic, well, buildings are largely empty, but this winter, I think, is the winter it's going to happen because there'll be more and more people back into the office. Um, look, I, I absolutely think you're right. I, I think that uh, even during COVID, I was surprised with the with the priority that was put on sustainability and other ESG metrics. Um, and I know maybe you and I had a slightly different experience there, but um, th- that was uh, that was a, co- a conversation that was dominating even throughout COVID. And I think absolutely this is going to be amplified now, particularly in the context of energy usage, um, not just from a sustainability point of view, but actually from a, an availability and pricing point of view. So you're absolutely right. There's a number of factors that are coming together, crashing together, that makes it likely that this is the year. Um, and I know it's something that... that uh, supports around prop tech and construction technologies are certainly banking on um and i think just before we wrap up um i want so to- i think 
just said you said something very interesting before we spoke about the fact that when you got together as a team, it allowed you to make strategic decisions. And what I witnessed during the pandemic was prior to the pandemic, companies were making strategic decisions. We need to do this. We need to get utility data. We need indoor. And the pandemic hammered, I think, a lot of the strategic decision making. And the likes of IoT technology and the prop tech is a strategic decision. And now, now it's coming back. See, the last three months, there's been a very, very significant change after two and a half years of it being relatively quiet. There's yeah. been a dramatic change, I would say, in the last three months. You know, you're absolutely right. It's the difference between um, thinking strategically and acting reactively. And to be fair, during COVID, we all had to act reactively. It was reactive. We're putting hand sanitizers out, masks. It was all reactive stuff. But now the strategic thinking is really coming in. It, it, it's, I've never had a bus as busy an August as I had this year. Well, and that's a great sign, but actually you reminded me of something that we'd noticed within our own companies that I'm certainly going to share with our audience here. The one thing I ask is that uh, companies who had their ESG strategic plan prepared prior to COVID and had things on hold, do not bring that plan back to the table. Actually sit down because things have changed, not just around COVID, but actually so many factors and technologies have changed so entirely over the course of three years that I would say, do not resurrect an old ESG strategy. Come back to the table from scratch because actually the dynamics are very, very different. And thank you so much, Peter, because actually you've reminded me that that's something we've experienced with real estate portfolio owners that we've actually had to say to them, don't try to resurrect. Um, you know, we've. A, I'm a big believer in there's no such thing as a plan B. If plan A doesn't work, it's because your factors are wrong, which means plan B isn't going to work either. Yeah, so yeah, actually, yeah. Coming back to the table now, now is the time to prepare a new ESG strategy if it wasn't evolving um, over the past year. So certainly mm. don't try to resurrect an older one. So thank you so much for that. Um, Peter, uh, the, the final takeaway, I hope uh, start, uh, PropTech and construction startups will take from what you said there. You didn't labor the point, so I will. There's a huge difference between investment and having strategic investors. And strategic investors are the ones that actually are able to help your business, not just pump money into your business. And I think mm -hmm. all have really shown the difference between having investment and having strategic investors on board. Um, and it's something you mentioned there. So I would love for any prop tech and construction technology startups who are in fundraising mode right now to keep that in mind. That yeah, that yeah, no, that was really helpful. It was. Yeah. Our backers on board. Super. Listen, that was great. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and so open with the information, and particularly around the fundraising journey, because it's so important that we start talking about that much yeah. openly in Ireland. So thank you so much. And um, that was Peter Murphy, founder of Ziggy Tech. And that's it from us this week. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to the Hear Me Roar media production team and to Luke Delaney on sound for Dublin South FM. Until next time, thank you for listening.